CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. We begin season 57 with an investigation into a crisis that threatens the safety of Canadians, especially those in rural areas. Almost 85% of firefighters in this country are volunteers and their numbers are dwindling to critical levels. W5 crisscrossed the country to document how the volunteer shortage is creating alarming and potentially deadly delays in response times. Chaos, lots of flames, lots of smoke. It sounded like a freight train going through my house. That's how loud the fire was. <clears throat> Sorry. I ran by my mother to go after my kids. I barely made it out myself. Barely made it out of this, Brandon Armstrong's four-bedroom home gutted by fire in 2020. Among those in the house, his paralyzed mother, Rita, his foster daughter, Alicia, her husband, Grant, and their one-year-old son, Lincoln. I woke up out of my sleep and jumped out of bed, and once I seen that there was flames and stuff down the hallway, I just grabbed Lincoln and ran. And what's going through your mind? That we couldn't do anything to save anyone else. All we could do was run out. Alicia's husband, Grant, made sure his young family had escaped and then tried to rescue Brandon's disabled mother. What were you thinking when you saw Grant go back into the burning building? That he might not make it, and all I could do was scream. With the fire still raging, Alicia frantically called 911. Brandon's mother and Grant were still trapped in the inferno, and he thought for sure fire crews would be pulling up any second. They didn't. And each minute waiting was more agonizing than the last. You must have been thinking, where is the fire department? Somebody needs to get in there and put these flames out. There was cops, and SWAT team was there before the fire department was. Helpless, Brandon also tried to go back into the burning building on his own. I put the ladder up against the window, and as soon as I broke the window, I should never have done that because the room exploded. Shot me about 30 feet off the ladder. Those images are still haunting me to this day. Which images? I, 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 uh, I seen my mother and Grant. Grant, Grant, oh, sorry. Grant made it to her. She was on his lap, and he was holding her like this. If they came sooner, we could have saved them two lives. I don't know. The deadly fire happened in Seabright, Ontario, in a region called the Kawartha Lakes, a couple of hours north of Toronto. 
Brandon's home was 12 kilometers from a rural fire hall, about a 10 minute drive. And yet it took 25 minutes for four firefighters to get on scene. That's the minimum number needed to safely enter a burning building. Does it play in your mind if the response had been faster, maybe they could have been saved? Oh yeah, oh big time. If they had been there within 10 minutes, Oh yeah, they would have been definitely saved, but they're volunteers, right? They're not in a station like a normal firehouse. This doesn't look like a normal firehouse either. It's the one closest to Brandon's home, and the trucks are stored inside this building. It's one of 19 fire stations across the Kawartha Lakes region, an area that encompasses 24 different towns and communities. Every single one, except for the main fire hall in Lindsay, relies solely on volunteers to respond to fires. And the number of volunteers is so low that it has been declared a threat to public safety. We're playing a game of Russian roulette with our service levels here. Todd McDonald is a consultant who analyzes emergency services. His company, Performance Concepts, was hired by Kawartha Lakes to conduct an independent review of fire services in the region. The conclusions are blunt. The fire service is not keeping up. A course correction is needed without delay. It finds unacceptable response times, a serious deficit of volunteer firefighters, and a significant risk to public and firefighter safety. People don't expect volunteer firefighters to not be able to come into a burning building and rescue human beings. They expect that they will arrive with a robust enough response to do so. And yet your report finds that that is indeed happening, that firefighters are not getting there with the full contingent of at least four people in a timely manner. In many cases, municipalities are uh, unable to summon four in the first vehicle and have to wait for a second vehicle. In rural areas, the recommended response time for volunteer fire crews is 14 minutes. W5 has learned that one out of every four fires in Kawartha Lakes had a response time of greater than 20 minutes. In fact, the independent report highlights response times of 28 minutes, 29 minutes, and even 41 minutes. But this deadly fire is the most disturbing of all. A 63-year-old woman is inside that burning building, trapped and helpless, waiting for firefighters to arrive. This is all that's left of the house. Nothing could be saved, including the life of the woman who was trapped inside. And this is just devastating. The closest fire hall is just 750 meters away, about a one-minute drive. W5 collaborated with local news website Kawartha 411, which has been raising the alarm about fire response times. They shared their research, including this Freedom of Information report on that deadly fire. It shows the closest fire hall didn't respond for 47 minutes. A neighboring hall did get there faster, but even then it took 25 minutes to begin attacking the fire. It broke out just after 11 in the morning, one of the worst times, because most volunteer firefighters are at their regular, full-time, paid jobs. 
the risk period that all volunteer firefighting uh, departments need to be concerned about are the, the work days in the core work hours. You're saying that the last thing anybody wants, if you're relying on a volunteer fire service, as most people in this country are, is to have a fire between nine to five. Yeah, that's the public safety risk point that the shortage of volunteer firefighters uh, is exacerbating. Kawartha Lakes has a critical shortage of volunteers to get to scenes like this in time. The independent consultants report warns that 71 additional volunteers are needed just to meet minimum guidelines. In the Kawartha Lakes community of Lindsay, the only fire station to have full-time paid firefighters on staff, there is another major problem. The report finds that two-thirds of shifts aren't staffed with at least four firefighters. Again, that's the bare minimum needed to safely enter a burning building. Kawartha Lakes is the canary in the coal mine. The story is not identical, but similar in many communities across the country. In fact, unless you live in a large urban area, chances are your local fire department is staffed completely by volunteers. Nearly 85% of firefighters in this country put their lives on the line voluntarily while working full-time jobs. And right across the country, the warnings about shortages are dire. From the Maritimes. The need for a very skilled set of workers is bordering on desperate in Cape Breton these days. There are not enough volunteer firefighters. To Quebec, Manitoba, and British Columbia, fire halls from coast to coast are posting desperate appeals for volunteer firefighters to join their ranks. These volunteers in Sackville, New Brunswick, aren't paid for their training. Like many volunteer firefighters, they do get a small honorarium if they respond to a call, anywhere from $15 to $20. We don't do it for the money, that's for sure. Laura Thurston and her husband Travis are both volunteer firefighters in Sackville. Ready? Juggling their family and full-time jobs. Nice. We work full-time and we're just on call 24-7, 365. We carry pagers with us. And when it rings, our job is, if we're available, to respond to the station and go to the call. I leave my job making money to go be a volunteer. It's not that appealing to everybody. So I'm trying to raise awareness to somebody, I guess, to try to step in here and help out with the crisis. A crisis that extends from New Brunswick across more than 3,000 kilometers to the west in Alberta, where the story is the same. An aging population of volunteer firefighters is not being replaced by new recruits. My harness is here, do you want? With Banff National Park on the horizon, volunteer firefighters in the municipality of Bighorn. I got rescuer on the line ready to descend. Practice slope rescue skills. Our oldest member is 77 years old. The district chief in this area is 72 years old. I'm 51 myself and, and consider myself one of the youngsters on our department. Chief Andrew Box is the only paid employee in the three fire halls he oversees. Just 15 volunteers are responsible for protecting residents across some 2,000 square kilometers of rugged terrain. With an influx of new homes being built, and hordes of seasonal tourists, Chief Box fears not only for public safety, but for the safety of his own volunteers as well. What's it gonna take? It's gonna take somebody dying. You have a motto. 
What's the motto and do you think that you're able to fulfill that motto? We will risk a lot to save a lot. And at this point in time, society is risking an awful lot with the current level of fire services within Canada. We need help. Is that difficult for you to say? Absolutely. Keeps you up at night. Coming up. Yeah, it had already started to burn through when I came in here. A slow response leads to a heart-wrenching loss. Part of the reasons we bought this place was because the fire hall was so close. When W5 continues. With its pristine lakes and upscale cottages, the Kawartha Lakes region of Ontario hardly looks like a community in crisis. But it's taking longer to get to fires like these. In a scenario that is playing out right across the country, a critical shortage of volunteer firefighters means delayed response times. Yeah, that looks good to go, Paul. Nice and dry. When Paul and Glenna McMillan bought this land in Kawartha Lakes, they had safety in mind. It's just two and a half kilometers from a fire hall. Part of the reasons we bought this place was because the fire hall was so close. You never want to use them, but you know, it's a safety thing in your back pocket. But being close to the fire hall didn't help them on February 14th, 2022. This is the aftermath of a fire that destroyed their family home and ended the life of their only son, 39-year-old Michael. You can actually see the hole in the ceiling from yeah. the fire. Yeah, it had already started to burn through when I came in here. The tragedy that unfolded in this house is compounded by the fact that the closest fire hall is just minutes away. A lot of emotion. I just... I miss him. It took 17 minutes for crews to begin attacking the flames. The fact that there's a fire hall down the way, and it took that amount of time to get here, the question is, had that been manned properly? Then it would have been the three minutes. We're talking lives. We're talking my son's life. Maybe if it was manned, maybe a few minutes would have made a difference. Maybe not. Even still, Paul and Glenna have nothing but praise for the volunteers who showed up. Very much yeah. so, yeah. yeah. For people that you don't know to come into your house and put their own lives at risk, that's got to be worth something. It's got to be worth something. I just feel it needs to be addressed. It's not right. Unlike other essential services like police and paramedics, fire departments are fully funded by municipal governments. It's up to local councils to decide just how robust their fire departments should be. It might be one of their houses that goes up next time. There won't be anybody coming to help. W5 combed through a series of reports dating back to 2010, warning Kawartha Lake City Council about looming volunteer shortages and response times. Mayor Andy Letham originally agreed to a sit-down interview with W5, but cancelled. And so we caught up with him at City Hall. We're putting together a report that, that paints a fairly disturbing picture about public safety and wanted to give you an opportunity to discuss it with us. Yeah, I appreciate that. But we'll do it through our council. We speak as a 
a group at council, and uh, I don't think it is a disturbing report. Right, but when the independent consultant says public safety is an issue, response times are an issue, um, you're not concerned about that? Of course I'm concerned about that from a public perspective, but we're making a lot of great changes moving forward. Kawartha Lakes plans to have 60 new volunteers by the end of 2022. Welcome to the regular council meeting of two. Almost reaching the benchmark set by the independent review for 71 volunteer firefighters to be brought on board. The master fire plan and fire service modernization review. Council is also proposing hiring two full-time firefighters over the next two years to make sure that Lindsay can get the minimum four on scene in the first truck. Recruiting volunteers isn't the only problem facing municipalities. Making sure they are properly trained is another. In Canmore, Alberta, about an hour outside of Calgary... It gets warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer and then suddenly it spikes, right? Fire Chief Lance Bushy leads a group of his volunteer and full-time firefighters through an intensive weekly training session. We've designed this to keep you all safe. His crew meets voluntary standards set by the National Fire Protection Agency, known as the NFPA, even though it's not mandatory in Alberta. The shocking reality is that only three provinces, Quebec, British Columbia, and most recently Ontario, have legislated minimum standards for training. There are guidelines out there but there's nothing that says municipality XYZ must meet this threshold. Outside of those provinces, a municipality can have a, a you know, a, I've seen lots where it's a truck with a flatbed and a, a, a plastic tank and a Honda pump, and that's your fire department. This is extraordinary to me though, to hear that only three provinces in this country have minimum standards for the training of firefighters. We can't keep saying that um, we can't afford it. To train each firefighter up to NFPA standards costs about $10,000 and takes 545 hours, money that must be paid by municipal governments and time that must be dedicated by volunteers with families and full-time jobs. Chief Bushy invited me to join one of his weekly training sessions. Involving a fire in this container, known as the can, it's the only place to safely train for the deadliest firefighting scenario, the flashover. The chief makes sure we all have our oxygen on. Everybody on air! Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up! And gives strict instructions to stay low, since temperatures at standing height will climb high enough to melt helmets. It's starting to get super smoky in here now where we are. As the smoke builds, so too does the temperature. You got your camera? Yeah, hide it up there. That's like four or five hundred Celsius. A thermal camera reads 500 degrees just three minutes into the fire. Yeah, but it's getting close to flashover in there. This is the dreaded flashover. When the temperature gets so high, everything inside ignites. See the flashover coming back behind it? That is really just oxygen mixing with the gases at the right temperature. This is a situation no firefighter wants to be in, where you've got the rollover. Yeah, that would be unattainable. If we were standing in there, we'd be dead already. Yeah. And here's a sign of just how potentially dangerous even the training can be. A burning piece of plywood comes crashing down. Whoa. 
setting the leg of my protective suit on fire. You okay? Hey, I was on fire there for a little bit. <laughs> and that has never actually happened. Expecting new recruits to commit to this level of training, essentially for free, has been a tough sell. But Chief Bushy has found a solution that is working here in Canmore, Alberta. This hall has eight full-time firefighters. And even though it's more expensive for the municipality, 36 volunteers have essentially been turned into part-time casual workers. They still have other jobs, but instead of being paged for an emergency, they can sign up for shifts and are paid for the shifts they work. They know that on this day of this month, I'm coming into the fire hall and I'm doing a tenor of a 14-hour shift. So you're not relying on a hope and a prayer that a page is going to be answered by someone who's at work? Right. Not everybody has bought onto this model. I think it's growing. I think more and more municipalities are seeing the benefits of being able to have that surge capacity. High five. Too slow. Back in Kawartha Lakes, Ontario, Brandon, who lost his mother, and Alicia, who lost her husband, can't help but wonder if more firefighters and a faster response time would have saved their lives. They need to fork out the money. It's that simple. And I think more people's lives would be saved. I wish Lincoln had a stat round. Where are we going? Okay, go over there, go, go, go. I think that no one should have had to go out the way they did. And everyone should have made it out. In Ontario alone, municipalities save $1 billion a year by using volunteers to fight fires. Turning the system into a fully paid service would be financially crippling. But having too few firefighters has a financial cost as well. Homeowners and businesses could see their property insurance increase. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. 